Section 9 of An Essay Concerning Human Understanding, Book 2, by John Locke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 14 Of Duration and Its Simple Modes 1. There is another sort of distance or length, the idea whereof we get not from the permanent parts of space, but from the fleeting and perpetually perishing parts of succession. This we call duration, the simple modes whereof, or any different lengths of it, whereof we have distinct ideas, as hours, days, years, etc., time and eternity. 2. The answer of a great man, to one who asked what time was, sinon rogas intelligo, which amounts to this, the more I set myself to think of it, the less I understand it, might perhaps persuade one that time, which reveals all other things, is itself not to be discovered. Duration, time, and eternity are not without reason thought to have something very abstruse in their nature, but however remote these may seem from our comprehension, yet if we trace them right to their originals, I doubt not but one of those sources of all our knowledge, viz. sensation and reflection, will be able to furnish us with these ideas, as clear and distinct as many other which are thought much less obscure, and we shall find that the idea of eternity itself is derived from the same common original with the rest of our ideas. 3. To understand time and eternity aright, we ought with attention to consider what idea it is we have of duration, and how we came by it. It is evident to any one who will but observe what passes in his own mind, that there is a train of ideas which constantly succeed one another in his understanding, as long as he is awake. Reflection on these appearances of several ideas, one after another, in our minds, is that which furnishes us with the idea of succession, and the distance between any parts of that succession, or between the appearance of any two ideas in our minds, is that we call duration. For whilst we are thinking, or whilst we receive successively several ideas in our minds, we know that we do exist, and so we call the existence, or the continuation of the existence of ourselves, or anything else, commensurate to the succession of any ideas in our minds, the duration of ourselves, or any such other thing coexistent with our thinking. 4. That we have our notion of succession and duration from this original, viz. from reflection on the train of ideas which we find to appear one after another in our own minds, seems plain to me, in that we have no perception of duration but by considering the train of ideas that take their turns in our understandings. When that succession of ideas ceases, our perception of duration ceases with it, which every one clearly experiments in himself whilst he sleeps soundly, whether an hour or a day, a month or a year, of which duration of things, while he sleeps or thinks not, he has no perception at all, but it is quite lost to him, and the moment wherein he leaves off to think, till the moment he begins to think again, seems to him to have no distance. And so, I doubt not, it would be to a waking man, if it were possible for him to keep only one idea in his mind, without variation and the succession of others. And we see that one who fixes his thoughts very intently on one thing, so as to take but little notice of the succession of ideas that pass in his mind, whilst he is taken up with that earnest contemplation, lets slip out of his account a good part of that duration, and thinks that time shorter than it is. 
but if sleep commonly unites the distant parts of duration, it is because during that time we have no succession of ideas in our minds. For if a man during his sleep dreams and variety of ideas make themselves perceptible in his mind one after another, he hath then, during such dreaming, a sense of duration, and of the length of it. By which it is to me very clear that men derive their ideas of duration from their reflections on the train of the ideas they observe to succeed one another in their own understandings, without which observation they can have no notion of duration, whatever may happen in the world. 5. Indeed, a man having, from reflecting on the succession and number of his own thoughts, got the notion or idea of duration, he can apply that notion to things which exist while he does not think. As he that has got the idea of extension from bodies by his sight or touch can apply it to distances where no body is seen or felt. And therefore, though a man has no perception of the length of duration which passed whilst he slept or thought not, yet having observed the revolution of days and nights, and found the length of their duration to be in appearance regular and constant, he can, upon the supposition that the revolution has proceeded after the same manner, whilst he was asleep or thought not, as it used to do at other times, he can, I say, imagine and make allowance for the length of duration whilst he slept. But if Adam and Eve, when they were alone in the world, instead of their ordinary night's sleep, had passed the whole twenty-four hours in one continued sleep, the duration of that twenty-four hours had been irrecoverably lost to them, and been forever left out of their account of time. 6. Thus by reflecting on the appearing of various ideas one after another in our understandings, we get the notion of succession, which, if any one would think we did rather get from our observation of motion by our senses, he will perhaps be of my mind, when he considers that even motion produces in his mind an idea of succession, no otherwise than as it produces there a continued train of distinguishable ideas. For a man looking upon a body really moving perceives yet no motion at all, unless that motion produces a constant train of successive ideas, v.g. a man becalmed at sea, out of sight of land, in a fair day, may look on the sun or sea or ship a whole hour together, and perceive no motion at all in either, though it be certain that two, and perhaps all of them, have moved during that time a great way. But as soon as he perceives either of them to have changed distance with some other body, as soon as this motion produces any new idea in him, then he perceives that there has been motion. But wherever a man is, with all things at rest about him, without perceiving any motion at all, if during this hour of quiet he has been thinking, he will perceive the various ideas of his own thoughts in his own mind, appearing one after another, and thereby observe and find succession where he could observe no motion. 7. And this, I think, is the reason why motions very slow, though they are constant, are not perceived by us, because in their remove from one sensible part towards another, their change of distance is so slow that it causes no new ideas in us, but a good while one after another, and so not causing a constant train of new ideas to follow one another immediately in our minds, we have no perception of motion, which, consisting in a constant succession, we cannot perceive that succession without a constant succession of varying ideas arising from it. 8. On the contrary, things that move so swift 
as not to affect the senses distinctly with several distinguishable distances of their motion and so cause not any train of ideas in the mind are not also perceived to move for anything that moves round about in a circle in less time than our ideas are wont to succeed one another in our minds is not perceived to move but seems to be a perfect entire circle of that matter or color and not a part of a circle in motion nine hence i leave it to others to judge whether it be not probable that our ideas do whilst we are awake succeed one another in our minds at certain distances not much unlike the images in the inside of a lantern turned round by the heat of a candle this appearance of theirs in train though perhaps it may be sometimes faster and sometimes slower yet i guess varies not very much in a waking man there seem to be certain bounds to the quickness and slowness of the succession of those ideas one to another in our minds beyond which they can neither delay nor hasten ten the reason i have for this odd conjecture is from observing that in the impressions made upon any of our senses we can but to a certain degree perceive any succession which if exceeding quick the sense of succession is lost even in cases where it is evident that there is a real succession let a cannon bullet pass through a room and in its way take with it any limb or fleshy parts of a man it is as clear as any demonstration can be that it must strike successively the two sides of the room it is also evident that it must touch one part of the flesh first and another after and so in succession and yet i believe nobody who ever felt the pain of such a shot or heard the blow against the two distant walls could perceive any succession either in the pain or sound of so swift a stroke such a part of duration as this wherein we perceive no succession is that which we call an instant and is that which takes up the time of only one idea in our minds without the succession of another wherein therefore we perceive no succession at all eleven this also happens where the motion is so slow as not to supply a constant train of fresh ideas to the senses as fast as the mind is capable of receiving new ones into it and so other ideas of our own thoughts having room to come into our minds between those offered to our senses by the moving body there the sense of motion is lost and the body though it really moves yet not changing perceivable distance with some other bodies as fast as the ideas of our own minds do naturally follow one another in train the thing seems to stand still as is evident in the hands of clocks and shadows of sundials and other constant but slow motions where though after certain intervals we perceive by the change of distance that it hath moved yet the motion itself we perceive not twelve so that to me it seems that the constant and regular succession of ideas in a waking man is as it were the measure and standard of all other successions whereof if any one either exceeds the pace of our ideas as where two sounds or pains etc take up in their succession the duration of but one idea or else where any motion or succession is so slow as that it keeps not pace with the ideas in our minds or the quickness in which they take their turns as when any one or more ideas in their ordinary course come into our mind between those which are offered to the sight by the different perceptible distances of a body in motion or between sounds or smells following one another there also the sense of a constant continued succession is lost and we perceive it not but with certain gaps of rest between thirteen 
If it be so that the ideas of our minds, whilst we have any there, do constantly change and shift in a continual succession, it would be impossible, may any one say, for a man to think long of any one thing, by which, if it be meant, that a man may have one self-same single idea a long time alone in his mind, without any variation at all, I think, in matter of fact, it is not possible, for which, not knowing how the ideas of our minds are framed, of what materials they are made, whence they have their light, and how they come to make their appearances, I can give no other reason but experience, and I would have any one try whether he can keep one unvaried single idea in his mind without any other for any considerable time together. 14. For trial let him take any figure, any degree of light or whiteness, or what other he pleases, and he will, I suppose, find it difficult to keep all other ideas out of his mind, but that some, either of another kind, or various considerations of that idea, each of which considerations is a new idea, will constantly succeed one another in his thoughts, let him be as wary as he can. 15. All that is in a man's power in this case, I think, is only to mind and observe what the ideas are that take their turns in his understanding, or else to direct the sort, and call in such as he hath the desire or use of, but hinder the constant succession of fresh ones I think he cannot, though he may commonly choose whether he will heedfully observe and consider them. 16. Whether these several ideas in a man's mind be made by certain motions I will not here dispute, but this I am sure, that they include no idea of motion in their appearance, and if a man had not the idea of motion otherwise, I think he would have none at all, which is enough to my present purpose, and sufficiently shows that the notice we take of the ideas of our own minds appearing there one after another is that which gives us the idea of succession and duration, without which we should have no such ideas at all. It is not then motion, but the constant train of ideas in our minds whilst we are waking, that furnishes us with the idea of duration, whereof motion no otherwise gives us any perception than as it causes in our minds a constant succession of ideas, as I have before showed. And we have as clear an idea of succession and duration by the train of other ideas succeeding one another in our minds without the idea of any motion as by the train of ideas caused by the uninterrupted sensible change of distance between two bodies, which we have from motion and therefore we should as well have the idea of duration were there no sense of motion at all. 17. Having thus got the idea of duration, the next thing natural for the mind to do is to get some measure of this common duration, whereby it might judge of its different lengths, and consider the distinct order wherein several things exist, without which a great part of our knowledge would be confused, and a great part of history be rendered very useless. This consideration of duration as set out by certain periods, and marked by certain measures or epochs, is that, I think, which most properly we call time. 18. In the measuring of extension, there is nothing more required but the application of the standard or measure we make use of to the thing, of whose extension we would be informed. But in the measuring of duration this cannot be done, because no two different parts of succession can be put together to measure one another and nothing being a measure of duration but duration, as nothing is of extension but extension, we cannot keep by us any standing unvarying measure of duration, which consists in a constant fleeting succession, as we can of certain lengths of extension, 
as inches, feet, yards, etc., marked out in permanent parcels of matter. Nothing, then, could serve well for a convenient measure of time but what has divided the whole length of its duration into apparently equal portions, by constantly repeated periods. What portions of duration are not distinguished, or considered as distinguished and measured by such periods, come not so properly under the notion of time, as appears by such phrases as these, viz. before all time, and when time shall be no more. 19. The diurnal and annual revolutions of the sun, as having been, from the beginning of nature, constant, regular, and universally observable by all mankind, and supposed equal to one another, have been with reason made use of for the measure of duration. But the distinction of days and years having depended on the motion of the sun, it has brought this mistake with it, that it has been thought that motion and duration were the measure of one another. For men, in the measuring of the length of time, having been accustomed to the ideas of minutes, hours, days, months, years, etc., which they found themselves upon any mention of time or duration presently to think on, all which portions of time were measured out by the motion of those heavenly bodies, they were apt to confound time and motion, or at least to think that they had a necessary connection one with another, whereas any constant periodical appearance or alteration of ideas in seemingly equidistant spaces of duration, if constant and universally observable, would have as well distinguished the intervals of time as those that have been made use of. For supposing the sun, which some have taken to be a fire, had been lighted up at the same distance of time that it now every day comes about to the same meridian, and then gone out again about twelve hours after, and that in the space of an annual revolution it had sensibly increased in brightness and heat, and so decreased again, would not such regular appearances serve to measure out the distances of duration to all that could observe it, as well without as with motion? For if the appearances were constant, universally observable, and in equidistant periods, they would serve mankind for measure of time as well, were the motion away. 20. For the freezing of water, or the blowing of a plant, returning at equidistant periods in all parts of the earth, would as well serve men to reckon their years by, as the motions of the sun. And in effect we see that some people in America counted their years by the coming of certain birds amongst them at their certain seasons, and leaving them at others. For a fit of an ague, the sense of hunger or thirst, a smell or a taste, or any other idea of returning constantly at equidistant periods, and making itself universally be taken notice of, would not fail to measure out the course of succession and distinguish the distances of time. Thus we see that men born blind count time well enough by years whose revolutions yet they cannot distinguish by motions that they perceive not. And I ask whether a blind man, who distinguished his years either by the heat of summer or cold of winter, by the smell of any flower of the spring or taste of any fruit of the autumn, would not have a better measure of time than the Romans had before the reformation of their calendar by Julius Caesar, or many other people, whose years, notwithstanding the motion of the sun, which they pretend to make use of, are very irregular." and it adds no small difficulty to chronology that the exact lengths of the years that several nations counted by are hard to be known, they differing very much one from another, and I think I may say all of them from the precise motion of the sun. And if the sun moved from the creation to the flood, constantly in the equator, and so equally dispersed its light and heat to all the habitable parts of the earth, in days all of the same length, 
without its annual variations to the tropics, as a late ingenious author supposes, I do not think it very easy to imagine that, notwithstanding the motion of the sun, men should, in the antediluvian world, from the beginning, count by years, or measure their time by periods that had no sensible marks very obvious to distinguish them by. 21. But perhaps it will be said, without a regular motion, such as of the sun or some other, how could it ever be known that such periods were equal? To which I answer, the equality of any other returning appearances might be known by the same way that that of days was known, or presumed to be so at first, which was only by judging of them by the train of ideas which had passed in men's minds in the intervals, by which train of ideas discovering inequality in the natural days, but none in the artificial days, the artificial days, or nicthemera, were guessed to be equal, which was sufficient to make them serve for a measure, though exacter search has since discovered inequality in the diurnal revolutions of the sun, and we know not whether the annual also be not unequal. These yet, by their presumed and apparent equality, serve as well to reckon time by, though not to measure the parts of duration exactly, as if they could be proved to be exactly equal. We must therefore carefully distinguish betwixt duration itself and the measures we make use of to judge of its length. Duration in itself is to be considered as going on in one constant, equal, uniform course, but none of the measures of it, which we make use of, can be known to do so, nor can we be assured that their assigned parts or periods are equal in duration one to another, for two successive lengths of duration, however measured, can never be demonstrated to be equal. The motion of the sun, which the world used so long and so confidently for an exact measure of duration, has, as I said, been found in its several parts unequal, and though men have of late made use of a pendulum as a more steady and regular motion than that of the sun, or, to speak more truly, of the earth, yet if any one should be asked how he certainly knows that the two successive swings of a pendulum are equal, it would be very hard to satisfy him that they are infallibly so, since we cannot be sure that the cause of that motion, which is unknown to us, shall always operate equally, and we are sure that the medium in which the pendulum moves is not constantly the same, either of which varying may alter the equality of such periods, and thereby destroy the certainty and exactness of the measure by motion, as well as any other periods of other appearances, the notion of duration still remaining clear, though our measures of it cannot any of them be demonstrated to be exact. Since then, no two portions of succession can be brought together. It is impossible ever certainly to know their equality. All that we can do for a measure of time is to take such as have continual successive appearances at seemingly equidistant periods, of which seeming equality we have no other measure, but such as the train of our own ideas have lodged in our memories, with a concurrence of other probable reasons to persuade us of their equality. 22. One thing seems strange to me, that whilst all men manifestly measured time by the motion of the great invisible bodies of the world, time yet should be defined to be the measure of motion, whereas it is obvious to everyone who reflects ever so little on it that to measure motion, space is as necessary to be considered as time. And those who look a little farther will find also the bulk of the thing moved necessary to be taken into the computation by anyone who will estimate or measure motion so as to judge right of it. Nor indeed does motion any otherwise conduce to the measuring of duration than as it constantly brings about the return of certain sensible ideas in seeming equidistant periods, 
For if the motion of the sun were as unequal as if a ship, driven by unsteady winds, sometimes very slow, and at others irregularly very swift, or if being constantly equally swift, it yet was not circular, and produced not the same appearances, it would not at all help us to measure time any more than the seeming unequal motion of a comet does. 23. Minutes, hours, days, and years are then no more necessary to time or duration than inches, feet, yards, and miles marked out in any matter are to extension. For though we in this part of the universe, by the constant use of them, as if periods set out by the revolutions of the sun, or as known parts of such periods, have fixed the ideas of such lengths of duration in our minds, which we apply to all parts of time, whose lengths we would consider, yet there may be other parts of the universe, where they no more use these measures of ours than in Japan they do our inches, feet, or miles, but yet something analogous to them there must be. For without some regular periodical returns, we could not measure ourselves, or signify to others, the length of any duration, though at the same time the world were as full of motion as it is now, but no part of it disposed into regular and apparently equidistant revolutions. But the different measures that may be made use of for the account of time do not at all alter the notion of duration, which is the thing to be measured, no more than the different standards of a foot and a cubit alter the notion of extension to those who make use of those different measures. 24. The mind having once got such a measure of time as the annual revolution of the sun can apply that measure to duration, wherein that measure itself did not exist, and with which, in the reality of its being, it had nothing to do. For should one say that Abraham was born in the 2712th year of the Julian period, it is altogether as intelligible as reckoning from the beginning of the world, though there were so far back no motion of the sun, nor any motion at all. For though the Julian period be supposed to begin several hundred years before, there were really either days, nights, or years marked out by any revolutions of the sun, yet we reckon as right, and thereby measure durations as well, as if really at that time the sun had existed, and kept the same ordinary motion it doth now. The idea of duration equal to an annual revolution of the sun is as easily applicable in our thoughts to duration where no sun or motion was, as the idea of a foot or yard, taken from bodies here, can be applied in our thoughts to distances beyond the confines of the world, where are no bodies at all. 25. For supposing it were 5,639 miles, or millions of miles, from this place to the remotest body of the universe, for being finite, it must be at a certain distance, as we suppose it to be 5,639 years from this time to the first existence of any body in the beginning of the world. We can, in our thoughts, apply this measure of a year to duration before the creation, or beyond the duration of bodies or motion, as we can this measure of a mile to space beyond the utmost bodies. And, by the one measure duration where there was no motion, as well as by the other measure space in our thoughts, where there is no body. 26. If it be objected to me here, that in this way of explaining of time I have begged what I should not, viz. that the world is neither eternal nor infinite, I answer that to my present purpose it is not needful, in this place, to make use of arguments to evince the world to be finite, both in duration and extension. But it being at least as conceivable as the contrary, I have certainly the liberty to suppose it, as well as any one hath to suppose the contrary, and I doubt not but that every one that will go about it 
may easily conceive in his mind the beginning of motion though not of all duration and so may come to a stop and non ultra in his consideration of motion so also in his thoughts he may set limits to body and the extension belonging to it but not to space where no body is the utmost bounds of space and duration being beyond the reach of thought as well as the utmost bounds of number are beyond the largest comprehension of the mind and all for the same reason as we shall see in another place twenty seven by the same means therefore and from the same original that we come to have the idea of time we have also that idea which we call eternity viz having got the idea of succession and duration by reflecting on the train of our own ideas caused in us either by the natural appearances of those ideas coming constantly of themselves into our waking thoughts or else caused by external objects successively affecting our senses and having from the revolutions of the sun got the ideas of certain lengths of duration we can in our thoughts add such lengths of duration to one another as often as we please and apply them so added to durations past or to come and this we can continue to do on without bounds or limits and proceed in infinitum and apply thus the length of the annual motion of the sun to duration supposed before the sun's or any other motion had its being which is no more difficult or absurd than to apply the notion i have of the moving of a shadow of one hour to-day upon the sundial to the duration of something last night v g the burning of a candle which is now absolutely separate from all actual motion and it is as impossible for the duration of that flame for an hour last night to coexist with any motion that now is or for ever shall be as for any part of duration that was before the beginning of the world to coexist with the motion of the sun now but yet this hinders not but that having the idea of the length of the motion of the shadow on a dial between the marks of two hours i can as distinctly measure in my thoughts the duration of that candlelight last night as i can the duration of anything that does now exist and it is no more than to think that had the sun shone then on the dial and moved after the same rate it doth now the shadow on the dial would have passed from one hour line to another whilst that flame of the candle lasted twenty eight the notion of an hour day or year being only the idea i have of the length of certain periodical regular motions neither of which motions do ever all at once exist but only in the ideas i have of them in my memory derived from my senses or reflection i can with the same ease and for the same reason apply it in my thoughts to duration antecedent to all manner of motion as well as to any thing that is but a minute or a day antecedent to the motion that at this very moment the sun is in all things past are equally and perfectly at rest and to this way of consideration of them are all one whether they were before the beginning of the world or but yesterday the measuring of any duration by some motion depending not at all on the real coexistence of that thing to that motion or any other periods of revolution but the having a clear idea of the length of some periodical known motion or other intervals of duration in my mind and applying that to the duration of the thing i would measure twenty nine hence we see that some men imagine the duration of the world from its first existence to this present year sixteen eighty nine to have been five thousand six hundred and thirty nine years or equal to five thousand six hundred and thirty nine annual revolutions of the sun and others a great deal more as the egyptians of old who in the time of alexander counted twenty three thousand years from the reign of the sun and the chinese now who count the world three millions 
269,000 years old or more, which longer duration of the world, according to their computation, though I should not believe to be true, yet I can equally imagine it with them, and as truly understand, and say one is longer than the other, as I understand that Methuselah's life was longer than Enoch's. And if the common reckoning of 5,639 should be true, as it may be as well as any other assigned, it hinders not at all my imagining what others mean when they make the world 1,000 years older, since everyone may with the same facility imagine, I do not say believe, the world to be 50,000 years old, as 5,639, and may as well conceive the duration of 50,000 years as 5,639, whereby it appears that to the measuring the duration of any thing by time, it is not requisite that that thing should be coexistent to the motion we measure by, or any other periodical revolution, but it suffices to this purpose that we have the idea of the length of any regular periodical appearances which we can in our minds apply to duration with which the motion or appearance never coexisted. 30. For as in the history of the creation delivered by Moses, I can imagine that light existed three days before the sun was, or had any motion, barely by thinking that the duration of light before the sun was created was so long as, if the sun had moved then, as it doth now, would have been equal to three of his diurnal revolutions. So, by the same way, I can have an idea of the chaos, or angels being created, before there was either light, or any continued motion, a minute, an hour, a day, a year, or one thousand years. For if I can but consider duration equal to one minute, before either the being or motion of any body, I can add one minute more, till I come to sixty. And by the same way of adding minutes, hours, or years, i.e. such or such parts of the sun's revolutions, or any other period, whereof I have the idea, proceed in infinitum, and suppose a duration exceeding as many such periods as I can reckon, let me add whilst I will, which I think is the notion we have of eternity, of whose infinity we have no other notion than we have of the infinity of number, to which we can add forever, without end. 31. And thus I think it is plain that from those two fountains of all knowledge before mentioned, viz. reflection and sensation, we get ideas of duration and the measures of it. For first, by observing what passes in our minds, how our ideas there in train constantly some vanish and others begin to appear, we come by the idea of succession. Secondly, by observing a distance in the parts of this succession, we get the idea of duration. Thirdly, by sensation observing certain appearances, at certain regular and seeming equidistant periods, we get the ideas of certain lengths or measures of duration, as minutes, hours, days, years, etc. Fourthly, by being able to repeat those measures of time, or ideas of stated length of duration in our minds, as often as we will, we can come to imagine duration where nothing does really endure or exist, and thus we imagine tomorrow, next year, or seven years hence. Fifthly, by being able to repeat ideas of any length of time, as of a minute, a year, or an age, as often as we will in our own thoughts, and adding them one to another, without ever coming to the end of such addition, any nearer than we can to the end of number, to which we can always add, we come by the idea of eternity, as the future eternal duration of our souls, as well as the eternity of that infinite being, which must necessarily have always existed. Sixthly, by considering any part of infinite duration, as set out by periodical measures, we come by the idea of what we call time in general.
End of section 9.